So, um, really, really excited to share today's message with you. And, um, you know, the unique thing about it is even though we have two services, no two services ever come out the same. They just don't. One of the reasons is there's different needs in the room. And um, obviously God knows what those needs are. So he'll speak to those needs. Um, you know, every time, it's just like reading your Bible. Every time you read the Bible, it becomes fresh and new to you, right? It's like, hey, I've read that scripture a hundred times and now I'm seeing something I've never, never saw in that scripture before. So that's how God's word works, even in services. So um, I'm excited what God's gonna do for us today. I've been talking about this thing about shifting, just making small, subtle changes, transition, transitioning in some areas of our life. And really, this is going to be um, our word for the year. So periodically, I'm going to bounce back in and I'm going to talk about this word. But it really is a year of shifting. Even think about it this way. We are leaving, shifting from this facility to our new facility. We will. I promise you, we will. And um, we're, we're going to make that shift this year, right? It's going to happen. So we are so excited about that. And everybody that was up at 6 a.m. loading the trailer today says, praise the Lord. Come on. Hey, let's give them a hand, by the way. Can we do that? Folks that were here at 7 o'clock this morning, um, someone stopped me on the first service and said, you know what? Thank you for... Uh, you know, even like days like today, getting up, getting that trailer, I'm like, look, we got people that do that uh, and uh, I can't take credit for it. We have dedicated people who love God, who are here to serve God. And um, so I just wanna say, I'm gonna relay that message to you. You are appreciated and people recognize that. So God bless you. So we're talking about the shift and really the first couple of messages have really been directed to us as individuals. And uh, so today's going to be a little bit different because I'm going to talk to us corporately. I'm going to talk to us as the church. I'm also going to talk to us as um, the body of Christ, the universal church, the church of the living God. So I'm speaking to us as LifePoint Church, but I'm also speaking to the church as a whole. So let's pray and let's hear what God has to say. Father, I thank you and praise you once again for this opportunity to be in your midst with your people. I thank you for their commitment. I thank you for their dedication, their sacrifice, even getting out on a day like today to come here, Lord, to hear your word and to worship you, Lord. I thank you for, you know, their commitment, Father. And I pray that you would keep us safe, Lord, as we um, leave this afternoon, God. But I just pray in the next few moments, God, that God, you would speak to our hearts. I pray that today would be a transitional word. I pray that today would be a word that shifts us as a church, that repositions us as a church, Father, to be more effective, to have a greater impact and a greater influence on those in our community. We'll never cease to give you the praise nor the glory for it. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And all of us said, amen. I want to speak on the instinct to shift, knowing when to shift. Um, how many of you know that's important? Anybody ever drive a manual, three on the tree, four on the floor, 
Someone stopped me after the service and said, now there are five speeds, Pastor. Six speed, get up to date, right? And so I, uh, so, right. But anyway, you know, you have to know when to shift, right? And usually, well, not usually, it will tell you when to shift. When it starts winding out, crying out, it's like, have mercy on me, shift, right? And uh, because if you don't shift, if you never get out of first gear, you're not going very far, right? You're not going to go very far. Every time you shift, it becomes smoother. You accelerate faster. You move faster, right? It's the same thing in the spirit. Every time that you shift spiritually, it should bring acceleration into your life. It should speed things up, and you should move in different levels and different dimensions in God. So we're going to talk about that when we get to the end of that. But before we get there, Matthew 5.14 declares that the church is the light of the world. Jesus said that the church is a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. What he's basically saying to us um, at that moment, at this time as well, is that the church is supposed to have an influence on the community. The church is supposed to be able to impact um, the surrounding area, the community, the city in which it is located. It's set up so everyone can see, everyone can recognize and realize what's going on. So we are supposed to be influencing culture. We are supposed to be impacting those that we come in contact with. This scripture is absolutely true. We know that this is where, uh, this is what the Bible describes as part of the responsibility as or of the church. However, having said that, the current trend in America is saying something else about the church, saying something entirely different about the church. Not only are they saying it, but statistics are confirming what they're saying. Because in reality, at this moment right now, for the most part, the church is not affecting culture, but rather culture is affecting the church. For instance, in 1999, 70% of Americans claimed church membership. So if you asked someone, are you, do you belong to a church? Do you attend church? 70% of America said, yes, we're part of a church. We attend a church. Today, Today, that number is less than 50%, and it is continuing to decrease. Now watch this. Out of the 50% who claim church membership, the average, um, the average attendee attends one or two services a month. So now we're down to less than 50%. The 50% are only attending one or two services per month. So we can see the numbers are continuing to decrease. Um, I've shared with you in times past how that, uh, and, and I'm not saying it's right, I'm just saying what it was. How we used to do church. We used to be uh, Sunday school. We used to have morning worship service. Uh, the church I grew up in, that service lasted three hours. Some of you think I'm kidding, I'm not kidding. And uh, that service lasted three hours. We went, had some lunch, came back, and we had an evening service. 
And then that service lasted, and that was considered our evangelistic service, and it was like, Katie, bar the door, here we go. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, so, um, so that, those services, and who knows what time he'd get out then. There was no dismissal then. And then we had Wednesday night, and then we had some type of Bible study, and then we had some type of prayer meeting going on. In other words, our lives centered around the church. Everything happened around the church. But that's not happening today, and that's not true today. Most mainstream denominations are experiencing a decline in church attendance. It's across the board. Um, as a matter of fact, there is an increase on the number of churches that are closing. There are churches that are just, you know, uh, just a few members away or a few funerals away from not existing anymore. Some of you might get that on the way home, but anyhow. Um, but in all reality, churches are closing more so than we're opening new churches. All right? They're just closing their doors. Uh, the trends are manifesting themselves uh, generationally as well. For instance, 62% of Generation X attended church, 62%. Today, 42% of millennials attend church. So we see another number continuing to dip. One-third of adults under the age of 30, one-third under the age of 30, are religiously unaffiliated. In other words, here's what they're telling us. We have no interest. We have no desire. Um, we do not want to be a part of a form or uh, the church. We don't want anything to do with it. It's the highest number since they started recording data on these types of things. Again, it is continuing to increase. Watch this. The number of adults who are not affiliated with church in America, right? Who are not affiliated with church. The number of adults... Uh, has been on the rise since really the early 90s. And that's not a coincidence because in the 90s, we had a lot of church scandals that took place. I'm not going to mention any names. Those of you that have been in the church long enough know what I'm talking about. So along with those scandals, there became an increase on people who just dropped out of church. They just stopped going to church and never went back. So um, there's an estimated 73 million adults in America, 73 million adults in America who are presently unchurched, unchurched. Um, many of them think that the epistles are the wives of the apostles. They're just unchurched. They don't know any better, all right? Now, when you add the teens and the children to that number, it swells to around 100 million people who are unchurched in America, 100 million people who are unchurched in America. Let's just put that into context right now. Let's just look at that. If the unchurched population itself in America were a nation on its own, it would be, it would represent the 12th most populated nation on the earth. The 12th most populated nation on the earth. So you know what that tells us as a church? You know what that says to us? That we don't have to go overseas and we don't have to go to foreign lands to enter into a mission field. 
We in America right now, we are a mission field. We are a mission field right now when a hundred million Americans have no church affiliation, are unchurched, and are not even interested in church. How many of you know that's a mission field? That is a mission field that has to be invaded by the church, right? That's okay. Let's give the Lord praise. We can do that. So this is what that, these numbers tell me. The numbers tell me that America has shifted in its beliefs. Many believe that we are a post-Christian nation right now. All right? I'm not here to debate that or argue that, but I am here to let you know that everything in the church is trending down rather than up. And so, but for the most part, it seems to me, and again, this is just me, you may differ, but it seems to me that the church is unaware of the shift that has happened in America, unaware of what's going on in our culture today. And my belief is this, if we love the church, and I believe we do, and if we love people, and again, I believe we do, then we need to ask ourselves why. Why? Why are there so many unchurched people in America? Why, why are millennials saying we want nothing to do with you? We don't want nothing to do with the church. I think we need to ask ourselves why, because here's what I believe. I believe it's not just one reason. I believe there are multiple reasons why this is happening in America. But I do think that the church needs to look in the mirror first, and the church needs to ask ourselves, are we one of the reasons? Are we one of the reasons that people are turned off to church. Is that okay for me to say that? Are we one of the reasons that people are beginning to be turned off by church? Here's why. Because you cannot fix what you are unwilling to face. I don't care what it is. Now, I'm talking about church, but whatever it is in your life, if you're not willing to face it, you can't fix it. And so if we're not willing to face what I believe is really becoming a crisis in America, if we're not willing to look at it and confront it, then we, we are not going to fix this problem. One of the things that I like about in the story of Samson, and I, I need a lot of time to just set this up, so just bear with me. One of the things that I like about the story of Samson, the Bible mentions, and, and you have to read the Bible because there's a lot of things that sometimes we overlook that God's trying to get something to us and speak something to us. The Bible says that, uh, when Samson asked the Lord to strengthen him one more time, there was the Bible called, called a, a little lad. It was a young man, a, a, a teenager probably. Samson asked this young lad to um, position him so that his hands could reach the pillars in which the place where he was at. Now, this little boy didn't have the power that Samson had. He didn't have the strength that Samson had. But the little boy took Samson and showed him where to place his hands. Here's the point. It doesn't matter how much power you and I possess if it's not directed in the right place. It doesn't matter. If it's not directed in the right place, we will not have the impact that we need to make a difference in our culture. It doesn't matter how well we do things. It doesn't matter how passionate we might be about what we're doing. If our hands are not on the pressure points of our culture today, we won't be effective in changing the trend and changing the tide in America. 
So we need to make sure that our hands are directed in the right place, that our hands are touching the right things, and we're taking our hands off some things that we don't need to be doing anyway. Does that make sense right now? So we're putting our hands where they need to be and taking them away from places that they shouldn't be if we are going to be effective. Because here's the reality of it. What good are our buildings if we have no people? What good is our music if no one's listening to it? What good are our sermons if we have no one to teach them to? And one of the worst things about being wrong is not the fact that you're wrong. One of the worst things about being wrong is refusing to acknowledge that I'm wrong and refusing to change and trying to force people to do something the way that we want it rather than changing so that we can be effective in what God has called us to do. All right, amen. So maybe what I'm suggesting to you and I today is this. Maybe I'm suggesting that we might need to shift our strategy when it comes to church. Because nothing humbles the heart like failure. Just fail a few times at something and see how humility begins to enter into your life. Because failure causes you and I to get on our knees and begin to seek God. It causes us to begin to seek God for direction. It allows us to be corrected in areas that we need to be corrected in. When we get on our knees and when we ask the Father, open our eyes, let me see my ways, let me see what's going on in my life. Open my heart, in other words, God, give me an understanding. Open my understanding, show me, God, where I missed it. Show me, Lord, where I need to change. More importantly than all of that, God, show me how to fix it. Show me how to get it right. Because I don't want to continue to do the same thing and expect to get a different result when it's not effective. When it's not effective. Right? I mean, listen, we are a city, a community that is supposed to be elevated. We are, we are the light of the world. We are supposed to be shining in the darkness and making a difference. We are supposed to be impacting our communities and impacting the culture and changing the tide. And if we don't change some of the things we're doing, how we perceive church, how we do church, I am a, I'm afraid that we are going to be something of the past. But how many of you know it doesn't have to be that way? It doesn't have to be that way. As a matter of fact, there is a prophecy hanging over our heads right now. And in case you're wondering where it's at, it's found in Acts chapter 2. And it says that in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So there's the prophecy hanging over our heads. God says, my spirit is going to be poured out upon you. This is what's going to happen. Our young men and our young women are going to prophesy. They're going to lay hands on the sick. They are going to recover. They're going to cast out devils in Jesus' name. And the tide is going to shift in this nation. But we got to get them. We have to reach them. Because maybe the people we are trying to change is being used by God to change us. Woo. Hmm. We're trying to change them, and maybe God is saying, no, I'm using them to change you. So that you can be more impactful. 
How many of you know that we're not going to reach millennials? We're not going to reach this generation that is... Hey, listen, I'm saved. Just in case you're wondering, I'm saved. I'm planning on going to heaven. I love church. All right? I love church. I love what we do, right? I've had an... Listen, I've had my fill, and I can get, I'll take more. But this isn't about me anymore. It's about lost people. It's about reaching lost people. It's not about me just coming and say, I got my church on today. I got my church fixed today like a junkie. Oh, it's getting quiet and tight in here right now. It's about how many lost people can we reach how many lost people can we share the saving grace with, right? So that they can experience what you and I have experienced. That is the saving grace of God, right? And so maybe, just maybe, we're going to have to change some of the ways we're doing. I'm not, talking about our, I'm not talking about our message. There's nothing wrong with our message. How many of you know that today? There's nothing wrong with the message. There's nothing wrong with the gospel. It doesn't need to change. Nothing wrong with it. But maybe, just maybe, maybe some of the way that we present it, maybe some of our methods, how we, how we approach certain things, maybe, just maybe, we need to kind of reevaluate some things. Right? How many of you know if you handed a millennial right now an eight-track tape, they would look at you like you done, what in the world is this? Right? Some of you Generation X, who, who knows what it is? Are you a millennial? Well, I thought you was older than that. <laughs> well, you're old school. But I think what I'm trying to get us to see is we don't, we don't connect that way anymore. We don't communicate. Somebody got my phone? Right? I mean, think, think, of how much, think of how much technology has changed. Right? You know how we used to call people? We used to go to the wall where there was this thing hanging on the wall and had this little rotary thing on it. It had a cord on the end of it. You could only go so far. And it was awesome when they bought a long cord. <laughs> Especially when you were a teenager dating somebody. You could go into the room and shut the door. How you doing? <clears throat> You hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> okay, we'll do it together. Ready? One, two, three. You still there? <laughs> uh huh. Right? Woo, <laughs> Jesus. I said that in the first service. Someone said, I still have that phone. <laughs> Right? I mean, that's changed, and I, that's just a method now we use, uh, we carry it in our pocket now, right? There's more information, there's more technology on your phone than, we, than the technology we use to send the first people to the moon. Think about that for a moment. That's pretty scary, right? And I'm just saying that, you know, some of the things that we're trying to reach people with may be outdated. Oh, my. Maybe I have a closet full of suits I have absolutely no clue what to do with. 
Funerals and weddings, that's about it. Right? I mean, it's just changed. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's not, it doesn't matter. It's just where we're at right now, right? It's not like Jesus was preaching in Armani suits. <laughs> so I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about trying to reach this generation with, with things that they can relate to. Like my message today, I manuscript all of my messages, always have, and I just, while I'm, while I'm studying, I just listen to the Holy Spirit, I write, I write, and then I study and I study. When I get here, I'm like, okay, Lord, whatever you want to say, let's do it. So, so right now, I have 3,500 and some odd words on this little th device right here. And you know what? I'm trying to communicate to a generation that has to have everything in 140 characters, right? 140, and I got 3,500 odd. Or I'm trying to communicate with a generation that communicates with emojis. <laughs> they're going to let you know how they're, they're happy, they're going to send you a picture. They're sad, they're going to send, they're mad, they're going to, if they're sick, they're going to send, right? So maybe I should just not even say anything, just have a bunch of pictures up here today. Cell phone, old phone, 8-track. That's how we'll do it. Encyclopedias, <laughs> right? All right, here's my first point, because I've just been rambling right now. So let's think about some of the ways that, that we've tried that's not been successful, and maybe some things that we can change in order to bring about uh, making a difference in some people's lives, right? I think one of the things that, and I, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I would need to bring somebody in and take a look at us and say, this is, this is what I see. But from my standpoint, I think there has to be a shift, and I'm speaking universally too as of the church, there has to be a shift from what I would consider religion to relationship. Because we're, we're not trying to get you to join a religion. We're trying to get you into a relationship with a Savior. Right? We're trying to get you into a relationship with a Savior. And so even across the board, people are leery about joining certain things. All right? Even the church. And so if we would focus more on the relationship aspect rather than the religion part of it, you know, that LifePoint Church is the only, we're not the only church, you all know that. And this is the, you know, Jesus is the only way. I understand that. But, you know, there are people that are reaching people through different means and different methods, right? Because there's a focus on a relationship rather than come join our religion, and if you join our religion, this is what you have to do. This is how you have to live. This is how you have to live. And we give them certain rules and regulations. Now, listen to me. Here's what I believe. Um, and I grew up with that. I grew up in, in legalism, right? I grew up in where women were not allowed to wear makeup. And you had men had to wear long sleeves all the time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Women, you weren't allowed to cut your hair. Okay, that's what I grew up in. And it prepared me for heaven, but it didn't do well here on earth. It really didn't, right? And so we had our young, uh, uh, young women playing kickball in blue jean skirts. 
Brenda knows I'm going to hand the mic to Brenda. You know why? You know, we're, we're laughing about that right now, but you know why? Because we thought this is how you serve God. And if you want to get to heaven, you can't wear makeup, you can't wear jewelry, you can't put on pants. You can't, you can't, you can't. And we focused more on giving them a list of can'ts rather than trying to disciple them and let them come into a relationship with Jesus because he changes everything anyway. If you really fall in love... If you really fall in love with Jesus, I won't have to tell you what to do. I won't have to tell you what to say. I won't have to tell you what to wear. I won't have to tell you how to act. The Holy Spirit will teach you, and you'll know when you're doing right, and you'll know when you're doing wrong. Come on, let's give the Lord praise right here. So my goal is to get you into this love relationship with Jesus because he changes everything. And he takes you right where you're at. See, religion says that you have to do this in order for God to accept you. You have to behave a certain way in order. And it's almost like we're working our way to, to, to heaven. We're working our way into heaven. And it really is man's attempt to try to get to God. And it's through works. But relationship is God reaching man through Jesus. That's relationship. God reaching you and I through his son, Jesus. Because how much of what we do is affected by who we are, where we came from, and our generation and ideas. In other words, how much of it is really Jesus, and how much is it is just us? It's just us. It's what, it's what we grew up with. It's what we know to do. It was our generation. These were our ideas. But it's not necessarily Jesus. Right? Are you with me? Because whether you want to face it or not, we are facing a generation that doesn't love church services like we do. The numbers are telling us that. And one of the worst mistakes a preacher, a teacher, or a church can make is to assume the person you're talking to thinks like you do. It's one of the worst things you can do. We like our services. I'm going to talk about me right now. We like our services the way we like our food, our way. I want it medium well. <laughs> baked potato, sour and butter, sour cream and butter on the side. I'm hungry. So we want our services, right? Come on, stay with me. The way we want our food, we want it served our way. How many of you know it's not Burger King? We, we can't have it our way. It has to be his way, because he's the only way. <laughs> has to be his way. So we're trying to spend all of this energy, all of this time, all of this effort to try to get them to like something they don't like. You ever try to get your kid to eat something they don't like? Eat your greens. 
You're not getting up from this table until you eat every bit of it. How many have ever been in that war? How many just gave up and gave in and said, whatever? <laughs> How many of you know the dog was fed very well in a lot of homes? <laughs> yeah. Just drop it on the floor, mix it around, all those types of things. So we're trying to get people into a flow or into a stream because we like it that way. And we're trying to force, them, force something on them that they are not going to receive. And so we have to realize, church, we have to realize, we must realize we cannot expect people to have our reaction when they did not come from our experience. They're not going to have the same reaction that you and I have because they've not had the same experience that you and I have had. So, our reaction is built on our personal experiences, on what we value, on what we call church, on what we think is effective. That's not necessarily so with them. And so what we really need to ask is, is this the word or is this our experience? Are we trying to force something on them that's our experience rather than allowing them to receive his word? Or is it Christ or is this just church culture? Right? We have our own culture. You know that, right? Is this, is this Christ or is this church culture? Is this religion a system, a way that we do things? Or are we basing this on a relationship with Jesus? Is the goal of the church to institutionalize them or is the goal of the church to get them to experience Jesus? I think I know the answer to that question, right? And so it's not about getting them to conform to our way, to our system, to our method. It's really about getting them transformed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. So maybe, just maybe, I just want you to think about it. Maybe, just maybe, some of the things that are our custom, this is how we do it because it is our custom. Maybe some of our customs are constricting conversions. Why? Because we've not connected yet. And until we connect, I can't correct. We have to have a little bit of equity in our pocket. That's called relationship. So through that relationship, not only this relationship with Christ, but now we're starting to develop this relationship. Then I can come and bring correction into somebody's life. Right? But not until there's a relationship that's developed. Let's get them in the kingdom first. Let Jesus clean them up. And then let, let us start discipling them. Is that okay? Can we do that? Number two, or, or, is it still snowing? Who cares? Um, number two, this point here, um, really this is a point that I'm just trying out on you because I need to share it with preachers. Okay? So if you will indulge me to just listen to this point, okay? Um, here's the question. Are we more concerned about building our membership or making disciples? 
Because there is a difference, right? There's a difference of building membership and making disciples. Are we more enamored by building a church than we are people? I, I think, personally, God has shown us that if we will build people, the people will build the church. Right? If we'll just build people, the people will build the church. So when God put LifePoint Church in my spirit, when God put it there 20, over 20 years ago, I know that he put it there. And when we started praying this thing and giving birth to this, one of the things that the Holy Spirit spoke to me about, one of the things that God spoke to me about was, listen, I want you to not get caught up in numbers, but I want you to make sure that your focus is on people. And this is where we came, this is what came out of that, one life at a time. That we focus on one life at a time. Because if I focus on a life, and Josh focuses on a life, and Tara focuses on a life, and every single one of us start focusing on one life, think of the multiplication that will take place through discipleship. Right? Just one life at a time. And so that's what it's about. Life point is about building one life at a time. Right? It's not about getting people to build the church. It's about getting the church to build people. And if the church will begin to build people, this is what I know will happen. They will open up their hearts. They will open up their creativity. They will open up their passion. And they will open up their wallet. Don't let that scare you because it takes money to do what we do. It takes money to reach a harvest. But I'm telling you that if we will focus on people, these things will begin to open up in their hearts and they will help us build the church that God has called us to build. Do you believe that this morning? But they will not help. I'm telling you right now, they will not help build a building if the building is not there to build people. So when we shift out of this place and we go to the next place, it's just a building. Someone's like, oh, it's a sacred place. Okay. What makes it sacred? Where's Jesus at? In here. He lives on the inside of us. So what makes it sacred is not the brick and mortar. as when we assemble together under his name, right? That's what makes it sacred. That's what makes it holy. The seats. Are you telling me the seats are holy now? Huh. Come on, but that's, that's the religious mindset, right? Well, you know, you have to, you come to church, you have to be somber and quiet. Why? He's alive. He's not dead. We're not at a funeral. I said, we're not at a funeral. He's alive and well. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph, amen? He's alive and well, and so are we. I wouldn't give you 10 cents for a dead church. I digress. I need to move on. I'm down to five minutes. Are we making disciples or... Are we just growing numbers? 
Are people's lives being changed? Are homes being healed? Are families being restored? Are we igniting a passion in the hearts of people to want more of Jesus? That's what it needs to be about. Not so that we can come and say, and, and we count. There's, listen, we count people because people count. There's a book in your Bible. It's called Numbers. <laughs> Numbers matter to God. When you read the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says there were 3,000 people that were saved. Well, if numbers didn't matter, why would they tell you there were 3,000 people? Two chapters later, the Bible says there's 5,000 people that are saved. Well, if numbers don't matter, why are we counting? A few chapters later, it says that the, the Lord added to the church daily. In other words, the church was growing at such a rapid pace, they lost count. Wouldn't you like to be in that flow? That the church is growing and making disciples at such a rapid pace that we just lose. I don't know how many showed up today. I just know that they were here and God was in the midst of them. Because it's not really about who shows up. It's about who's changed when they show up. Because if all we do is show up and we're never changed, we're never transformed, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're not making disciples, right? So I think we need to add another number to the church. Not only how many people showed up, how many people were changed today? How many people were influenced today? How many people were impact today? And you know what? We have a way to measure that. Are you all right with me? Anybody want to throw a stone at me right now? I'm coming. I'm. <laughs> Listen. I shouldn't have went that way because now I forget what I was going to say. This is what happens when you get older. What was I talking about? Not that. Oh, I know what I was talking about. How do we track that? Thank you, Danielle. We track that. We have a way to track it. We track how many people have been to growth track. You know why? Because that's your next step. When you come to LifePoint Church, you start attending church, we, we say things like, have you attended growth track? That's important. Why? Because that's the next step. That's one way that we can measure discipleship in our church. Another thing that we ask you, have you joined a life group yet? Why? Because that's a way that we can measure spiritual growth in your life. Because we believe that discipleship happens through relationship. And the way that you relate and get in relationships are through the groups that we offer here at LifePoint Church. We are supposed to be doing life together. Yeah. Together. And so you're going to hear more about life groups, but that's one of the ways that we track discipleship at LifePoint Church. And then we ask, have you taken another step? Have you joined a service team? Because we believe that you will truly not be fulfilled in your life as a Christian until you find your place in service. Have you joined a service team? Are you ministering? Because listen, there comes a point where you have to, you have to give out what you've taken in. You have to give out what you've taken in. Are you serving in any area of ministry? This is how we track people. This is how we track spiritual growth. So not only do we count how many people show up on a Sunday, 
How many people have taken their next step to growth track? How many people have taken their next step and got involved in a group? How many people are leading a group? How many people are hosting a group? How many people are serving in these areas of ministry? Because listen, you can get a crowd, but it takes something that takes a little bit more to make disciples, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we want a crowd, we'll just call Bozo the Clown to come on in. We'll get a crowd. But we're not, about, we're not about that. We're about growing disciples. Here's the third thing, and I close. First closing, Ken. We have to move from come to go. And the whole first part of the message was about what? Coming to church. And now I'm telling you to go. We have to move from coming to church to being the church. To going. Matthew 28, 19 says this. Therefore go and make disciples, what? Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Watch this. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Where does it start? In our backyard. In our backyard. Lake County, surrounding communities, that's where it starts. Because part of that 100 million unchurched people are right in our backyard. The person that's working beside you, the person that attends your school, the person you work out with at the gym is part of the 100 million people that are unchurched. That's our Jerusalem. So before we start sending missionaries across the world, Let's send them in our backyard. Let's go. They're there. And Jesus said, I've given you power. I've given you the authority to go in my name. And when you think about the early church, it was birthed in a supernatural manifestation of the glory of God. You read Acts chapter 2. Suddenly on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit filled the room in which they were sitting. Like you and I are today, the Holy Spirit just filled that room. And then each and every one of them, the Bible says, were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the evidence of that was they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Second distinct work of the Holy Spirit. The people outside of the church service was hearing what was going on in the church service and asked the question, what in the world is going on up there? A city set on a hill. And a bold preacher stepped out of the upper room because he knew it wasn't supposed to be contained in an upper room. And he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men are going to dream dreams. Your young men are going to have visions. And the church was birthed. And the church settled in like we always do into that one experience into that one encounter. I'm trying to land this plane. I really am. And then God said, remember I told you to go, not stay. Because by the time you get to the book of Acts, chapter 8, listen to what God does. Acts 8 and 1. Listen to this. It's coming, I promise you. 
Do you have Acts 8 and 1? There it is. On that day, persecution broke out against the church in where? You know why? They were stuck. They were sitting around. They weren't going like he told them to do. Persecution came against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Watch this. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah, and a revival broke out in that city. You read the rest of this chapter. A revival broke out in that city. People were healed. People were delivered. People were set free. People were saved. A layman turned the city upside down because he went. And sometimes God has to bring persecution, like what's going on in the church today, in order to get us out of our four walls and push us back out there where we're supposed to be, right? To push us outside because this thing is not supposed to be contained. I sounded Italian there, didn't I? It's not supposed to be contained. I don't know why and how that came out that way. I'm over my 3,500 words. I want you to stand up. Don't leave yet. Just listen. I want, I just want you to hear my heart. I want a move of God that's so powerful, so impactful, that it changes an entire city. I mean, an entire city is changed through this man's preaching. So it can happen. It can happen. So I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what is the path? There has to be a path. What is the way? This is your homework. The Lord showed me Ezekiel 47. God gives the prophet Ezekiel a vision in Ezekiel 47. You can read it when you go home. And the Bible says that from the altar out through the door, water began to flow. The water wasn't flowing in the temple. The water was flowing out of the temple. And it went out the door. And the further it went, the deeper it got. And so in that vision, they measure. There's four measurements. The first measurement, it was ankle deep. This is the first experience that you have with Jesus. It's called salvation. You get to experience that with him. You experience the amazing grace, the flow of his amazing grace. Unfortunately, many people stop there. And that's just the beginning. Because he measured, he went out and he measured again. And the Bible says the next time he measured, it was knee deep. This is the next level in your spiritual walk with the Lord. It's where you start developing your own prayer life. It's where you start developing your own Bible study, your own uh, reading of God's word, the Holy Spirit teaching and leading you. 
You're starting to get a little more serious in your relationship with him. And then the Bible says he took another step out and they measured it again and it was waist deep. And now he's starting to be, it's starting to get a little more deeper in his walk with the Lord. I don't know if you've ever been in a current waist deep, but if it's strong enough, you can feel the push of it. You can feel the force of it. And this is, this is just another level where you're getting into that relationship with the Lord and you're, you're starting to feel a little deeper, deeper commitment, a deeper move of God in your life. But then he takes another measurement and the Bible says that he gets in waters to swim in. Ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, waters to swim in. And this is where you're totally surrendered and sold out to the Lord. We talked about that all in series, totally sold out to the Lord, where Lord, I surrender everything to you. It's all yours. My time, my talent, my treasure, my heart, everything is yours, Lord. My dependency is upon you, Lord. It's all upon you. And this is what happened. As that water went out from the temple, by the way, you and I are now that temple. You, you do know that. And when we're asking water to come in, he's saying, I want water to go out. Water symbolic of the Holy Spirit. He said, you're trying to get my glory in. I'm trying to get it out. Because when the waters touched people in that city, Ezekiel's vision, Brandon, the Bible said they were healed. And there are people that will never grace the doors of our church. But if we'll take what God has given us, and if we'll get outside the four walls of these church, I believe there'll be opportunities that God will give us, divine connections that God will give us, and you'll come. The, uh, your path will cross with people, and God will give you an opportunity to pray with them. And who knows what kind of report they receive? Who knows what God will do through you? And God will use you to heal their heart. God will use you to heal their family. God will use you to heal their hurts and disappointments. It didn't happen in the temple. It happened out there. But then the Bible says this, same chapter, same chapter. The Bible says there were fishermen that stood on the shores. It's all symbolic. And they took their nets and they cast them into the river. And the Bible says as they cast their nets and brought them back in, there was a great catch of fish. You know what that represents, don't you? God says, I'll make you fishers of men. It's a representing of the harvest that's coming in. Here's all I'm trying to get you to see in this shift season. Let's quit trying to get it in and let's send it out. Come on, let's send it out. Let's send it out. Let's send it out. Because how much more impactful would it be <laughs> for someone to be healed in Starbucks because you're there praying for them? There's a rumor in Minter that you need to show up at 306 because healing's taking place. Why? Because the church is assembled there. Come on, so you're looking at me like I'm crazy. We're not supposed to hide this thing. We're supposed to take this thing out. And I'm going to ask you, where are you at? Where are you at? Are you in first gear? You just got your ankles? And we praise God for that. Salvation, that's the first step. But how many of you taken another step? Shift that gear. How many of you have taken another step and you're developing a prayer life? You're developing a devotional life. 
How many are taking another step and you're saying, you know what, Lord, I need more. I need more. I'm going to surrender more and more to you. How many have taken that ultimate step where you say, you know what, Lord, I want to surrender everything to you. I want to get in this thing over my head. I want waters to swim in. I don't know where you're at, but here's what I'm asking you to do. I've been asking you to do this through this service. I'm asking you to take another step. I'm asking you to make one more adjustment. I'm asking you to just do something a little bit different today. And wherever you're at, wherever you're at, one, two, three, or maybe four, but you want to go deeper and you want to say, okay, God, I'm ready to be used by your, in your gifts and your callings. I don't know where you're at, but symbolically, what I want you to do is I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to take a step and I want you to join me in this altar right now. You may be in step one, but now you're moving to step two. You may be in step two, but now you're moving to step three. You may be in step three, but now you're moving to step four. Come on, quickly. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I know I've preached too long. I know I know I've worn you out today. I know I've gone too long today. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. How many are saying, you know what? I'm ready to get in waters to swim in. I'm tired of playing around in the kiddie pool. I'm just tired. I'm tired of playing around in the kiddie pool. I'm tired of dealing with the same stuff. I'm ready to move deeper in my relationship and my commitment. I'm just ready to move deeper. Come on. Come on. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Before I pray for these in the altar, let me ask you this question. How many of you have taken that first step? How many of you have taken the first step of salvation? If you're in this room today and you've not taken that first step, or maybe you're in this room today and you're backsliding on the Lord and you need to recommit your life to Him, if that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Maybe you're already in the altar or maybe you're out here somewhere, but I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe that's you. Pastor, I need to recommit my life to Him. I need to rededicate my life to Him. I need to get my priorities right again and put Him first. I'm, I'm ready to make that commitment. If you're there, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for these in a minute. I'm going to pray for them. God bless you. Thank you. Now listen, I'm going to stay and pray with these and we're going to dismiss you. Be careful out here. Be careful going home. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank God for you. And let me tell you something right now. Our best is yet to come. It is yet to come. Amen. Shift. Let's go deeper. Come on, church. Let's pray.